0: weeks ago we talked about abraham uh we talked about him giving uh sarah giving birth to isaac later in their life um isaac gave birth to jacob that was our last service that we had together our last worship time together jacob and esau are fighting for their father's attention and their love um as we come into the story of Joseph, I see them laughing. Go ahead and show that image because it's great. Um, if you've not seen this, um, Ryan Gosling is in uh, the new Barbie movie. He's one of the Kins. Um, and if you can't, I know the angle isn't great, um, but this Joseph about to tell his brothers about the dream he had. About them all bowing to him someday, um, and if um, you can't see it, I'll share it on social media this week. But when I that came through this week, and I was like, that's just too perfect to not use. Um, so we know that uh, Jacob fled because he was worried about um, his brother Esau, and where he he flees to work with his father-in-law, um, who they both kind of take turns cheating one another uh, over the years. One of those things that Laban cheats. Uh, Jacob around is uh, his wives who he will marry which sets up a whole family dynamic that's really just an utter mess Um, there are two sisters Laban tricks Jacob into marrying the older sister when really Jacob loves the younger sister Um, Rachel is the younger sister that Jacob really loves who gives birth to Joseph much later in life Leah, the older sister, has lots of sons, lots of children, um, these older brothers that you heard about in the story. But because Joseph is the son of his favorite wife, Rachel, Jacob shows favoritism to Joseph. Now, you would have thought that he would have learned a little bit about showing favoritism and The nastiness of family dynamics, but he hasn't. Um, And one of the ways that Joseph shows his extra affection to Jacob is by what we've heard uh in in our VBS experience our Sunday school experience it is this coat of many colors which again would not have been something that could have been bought at Target or you know Burlington Coat Factory this would have been a really expensive gift that would have uh dyes like that would have come uh, naturally from things that you would have found it would have taken a lot of time a lot of skill to be able to weave or dye. however however it was done what we know is that it was a multicolored, expensive kind of coat um and it showed i mean it was just every time he wore it it was this obvious reminder to all of the older brothers of their father's love for this one son this one younger son um so we know all of these ill feelings are already there. And then Joseph starts having a dream and he start dreams and he begins sharing them with his brothers. Uh, they were, uh, we heard about it in the story. One is they're gathering wheat in the field and then all the other bundles of wheat symbolizing his family bow down and worship him. Uh, and then there's one with the sun and moon and 11 stars, the, the, Uh, symbolizing his parents and his brothers. Um, I think it's interesting that Jacob gets involved when it's him bowing down uh, to Joseph. Uh, Why would you think we would do that? You, You see some of that older pride that we saw in the story of Jacob and Esau, that fighting for power kind of story. Now his son is saying, you will bow down to me. Interesting dynamics that keep getting played out. Obviously, all of this was too much for his brothers to take. Um, especially those older brothers that were supposed to be the ones that were to get the favor from the father. They were supposed to get that extra love and attention. They were supposed to be the ones in power. When Joseph is 17, he goes to visit his brothers uh, out while they're tending the sheep, which also tells you a lot. The brothers are doing the hard work of tending the sheep, and Joseph has been sent out by Jacob to go and check up on them, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. And so they see him coming in his bright colored coat, uh, coming out to check on them, and so they decide it is, they're just done. They're done with him. This is the perfect opportunity to get rid of him. Um They seize their chance, and they throw him into a pit. Um, Later, they spot an Arab caravan passing the scene, and they actually sell him. They sell him to slave traders. Um, He's eventually brought to Egypt, where he's sold to Potiphar, one of the king's ministers, one of King Pharaoh's ministers. And that's not like minister like me. That's like minister like another leader. We're told that Joseph was a looker. He was a good-looking guy. I think that's why a meme with Ryan Gosling just feels appropriate. Uh, He was a looker, and Potiphar's wife, the leader that he is working for, um, likes what she sees, and she wants to be intimate with him. Uh, She becomes... frustrated when joseph is continually refusing her and so one day uh while it is just them alone in this part of the house um joseph uh brushes off her advances for the last time for her and so she retaliates and flips the story when she tells potiphar um and the angry master reacts by placing this trustworthy assistant in prison Joseph's charisma, though, follows him to prison as well. Uh, The warden soon appoints him as his right-hand man. In time, uh, his unique qualities express themselves in an additional area. When the king's royal cupbearer and baker are imprisoned, Joseph successfully interprets their dreams, correctly predicting that the cupbearer would be released and uh, would be put back into power. And the baker would not receive such an uh, uh, auspicious kind of future ahead of him. It's important to note that the cupbearer makes these great promises to Joseph that when he's back in the house, he will remember him. He will get him out of prison for what he has done for him. But it, it never happens. The cupbearer, once, uh, once he's away from prison, forgets all about the people that he met there, including Joseph. Two years later, King Pharaoh himself has two dreams, which none of his advisors are able to explain. And suddenly now, two years later, the cupbearer remembers this guy that he met in prison who was able to interpret dreams. And so he suggests that they call forth Joseph from prison to interpret the dreams. And you heard Joseph, who is now 30, interprets this dream that it's the sign of a famine that is to come. uh, That there will be plenty of grain and plenty of cattle, plenty of food for seven years, but it will be followed by seven years of famine. And the Pharaoh is so impressed by Joseph's wisdom that he appoints him as his viceroy, that's the title, uh, second only to Pharaoh himself. And he tasks him with readying the nation for the years of famine. I wonder if this pattern sounds a little bit familiar. It feels like just the moment you think you're getting ahead, you wind up instead starting all over. This happened over and over in in Joseph's life. Too many J's. And meanwhile, the effects of the famine were felt in nearby Canaan. Hearing that there was grain in Egypt, Joseph's brothers travel out to get some precious food from this leader, not realizing it's their brother. Joseph decides to take this opportunity to observe whether his brothers have truly grown, uh, if they regret having sold him into slavery, and um, Like, you should really go in and read the scriptures because it's a series of like dramatic maneuvers. Like, we make it sound like Joseph just forgot his brothers, but he toys with them for a little while. He plays around with their minds, he tests them. um, And he tests them around seeing how willing they are to protect their new younger brother, Benjamin, which would have been Joseph's only maternal brother. Once he saw their devotion towards Benjamin, uh, Joseph finally reveals his identity to his astonished siblings. It's a little weird and twisted the way that Joseph kind of messed with them, but at the end of this story, everything works itself out. He reveals himself to his brothers, and rightly so, his brothers are afraid. They've been really horrible (laughs) to Joseph. They started a, a chain of events in his life. Um, that did finally lead to this incredible opportunity and position that he's now having. it, But there was a lot of hardship in between. They, um, now Joseph is in a position to squash them. <laughs> um, and he's just messed with them a bit. So, it, I mean, it makes sense that they question whether Joseph has really forgiven them. But he calms their fears and says, but now do not be sad. And do not let it trouble you that you sold me here, for it was to preserve life that God sent me before you. You did not send me here, but God. He then asks them to come live with him, tells them to bring his father, and they all live in Egypt together. Um, We'll come back to that part because that leads into the story of Moses. Um, But for now, they're living together in peace and they have plenty. They have an abundance of good things they are protected. In the story of Joseph, we see a God who is working for good on our behalf. God was working on behalf of Joseph, even when he was a spoiled teenager, who liked to talk about how great he was gonna be and, and flaunt his privilege in front of his brothers. God was working on behalf of the brothers, the brothers who literally sell their brother into slavery and then lied to their father Every day of his life uh, we that didn't show up in any of our retelling of this story but they they take that coat that fancy coat and they put animal blood all over it and take it home to their father and say oh it's been awful joseph was attacked that they, they've been telling this story there for these these last decades to their father but god was still working on their behalf God had been working to provide a place for them to live and to thrive when famine would hit Canaan years later. None of this story unfolds the way that you expect it to if God's hand is in the mix. Uh, Do we have to have all the blood? Do we have to have all the deception? Do we have to have the disappointment after disappointment? Joseph could have grown bitter. He went from being a servant to being a leader, back to being in prison, being stuck in prison, only to find his way out and finally thrive. He could have grown bitter, but his true nature shines through. Joseph is not perfect, but he is part of God's story in providing for the Egyptian people. And for keeping himself and his brothers, the one whose ancestors would be a part of those 12 tribes of Israel and those promised descendants of Abraham, he provides for them. And just like the promise was for Abraham, it was that they would be blessed. The descendants of Abraham would be blessed to bless the world. That is exactly what's happened. Joseph is now blessing all of the people of Egypt along with the ancestors of Abraham. All his life experiences shape him from being an arrogant, proud, and boastful young man into this leader who provides and protects all of Egypt from a famine. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. God did not make his brothers to sell him into slavery. God didn't make Jacob be a terrible father and bring a son up to be proud and boastful. God didn't make Potiphar's wife uh, seduce him and then lie, nor did God make the cupbearer forget about Joseph and his dream interpretations. Our world is broken, and bad things happen. God did not make it happen, but God was present in all of that, working it for good. Sometimes when we're searching for meaning or when people are trying to speak something helpful that they think is helpful into our lives, when bad things are happening, we hear a lot of cliches about the work of God. Uh, God doesn't ever give you more, meaning that God is giving you this hard time. God does never give you more than you can handle. Uh, God uh, is just testing you. Um I don't believe that's theologically sound. Now, I do believe that God is in the middle of all of this as Joseph's story unfolds. The evil happening in our world today, the misinformation, the grabs for power can make us feel overwhelmed with the toxicity that consumes our news, consumes our politics, consumes our social media feeds, gun violence. Recent decisions of the Supreme Court, a declining economy, the continuing effects of the pandemic, even now. All of it can feel like too much. And you add on top of that our own personal struggles, family dynamics, issues at work, health issues, our own grieving, and and we feel like we don't have capacity for any more. Somewhere in the middle of Joseph's story, he recognized the presence of God with him there is a change that happens and we're not told exactly when it happens but there is a different joseph present at the beginning of the story bragging in his fancy coat and with all of his dreams to the to the joseph we see at the end of the story who is certain that god has been at work even through all of the hardships he recognized the presence of God working to make all things good, working to shape and to mold him. It did not make this slavery, the prison, or the deceptions any less awful, but it did allow them to have a different purpose. What his brothers meant for bad, what Potiphar's wife meant for bad, what the cupbearer's cup forgiveness meant for bad, God was still present in. God worked them for good, and somewhere along the way, Joseph realizes that. Our perspective changes when we can see God in the middle of it with us, in the thick of it with us. In Romans 8, uh, we read um, that uh, in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Just before that, in verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. These are hard times, collectively and individually. It's only compounded by our own personal struggles. But we have hope, hope in what we can't see, that God is present with us, leading us. God, through the Spirit, is even praying for us when we we just don't have the words. We don't even know how to pray. God is working for our good. May you cling to that hope this morning. May your heart be encouraged that no matter what pit or prison you may find yourself in, God is there with you. Will you pray with me?